Listener Production. Hey, Tom here. Just wanted to tell you about an amazing new podcast. It's a documentary series called Secrets We Keep. And it actually started with one of our colleagues here, Amelia Oberhart, when she saw this very confusing photo at her mother's wake. And that photo took her on the craziest journey that opened up so many family secrets. It's a fascinating listen. It's called Secrets We Keep, Shame, Lies and Family. Get it on your favourite podcast app. Really recommend that one. Let's get into today's briefing. It's doctors fired up about fracking. This project is so big that I thought... I can't stay silent anymore and I felt that my job is not worth anything compared to the health and well-being of Territory children and Australian children. So that's a paediatrician called Louise Woodward and she, along with uh, paediatrician turned TLMP Monique Ryan, joined over 2,000 other doctors and scientists yesterday. They're at a protest outside Parliament House and they're protesting the Northern Territory Government's approval of a massive gas fracking project in the Beedaloo Basin. So fracking is where you inject liquid to force open rocks and extract oil or gas. And in this briefing, we're going to find out why the doctors are so concerned about it. The air pollution contains cancer-causing particles that get into the lungs and then go into the bloodstream, causing inflammation and then a whole lot of untold effects. So we're bringing you a briefing on the impact of fracking on children in the Northern Territory. First, here are today's headlines. It is Wednesday, August 9. Well, Tom, I know you were watching, so was I. We've both firmly planted or we've jumped on the bandwagon and a family planted on it. And so are so many others because the Matildas have knocked off the AFL and NRL grand finals and state of origin with blockbuster TV ratings mm. for the win over Denmark on Monday night. So the average audience was 3.5 million during the 2-0 victory on Channel 7. This is huge. Yeah, it's massive. So this beats um, all AFL grand finals except two. As you said, it beats the state of origin, which is massive. So it's beating men's codes. Mm-hmm. And it's not even the final yet. So we're going into the quarterfinals on Saturday playing against France, um, which will get an even bigger television audience. So absolutely massive. Yeah, look, it comes close to Ash Barty's Wimbledon winning audience and Cathy Freeman's 2000 Olympic gold medal. I mean, that drew, I think it was 8 million eyeballs. It hasn't quite beaten the 2003 Rugby World Cup final, but we have to remember back then it was a very different kind of viewing ecosystem. Mm. Streamers weren't available. You're either watching TV or doing gardening or, or whatever, something else. But I do have to say I love that between Kathy Freeman's victory run, Ash Barty and mm. the Matildas, all the people for years who were saying women's sport was boring, are now probably watching. <laughs> yeah, it's just blowing away records um, game by game. So as we get closer to the final, you know, now Sam Kerr hopefully starting with the Matildas on Saturday night, um, it's just going to get more and more exciting. And I think more and more people will watch and more and more records are going to be broken by this incredible event. And Australians have forked out $3 billion in rent increases in the last year. So that's from the Parliamentary Library that also forecasts renters will pay another $5 billion in hikes next year. It's a bad scene for renters. 
Yeah, and I think with the ongoing cost of living issues, we're often talking about interest rate rises and mortgage holders, which, you know, is significant and discussions we need to have. But I think it's easy to forget um, or stop talking about renters because they make up a third of property types. Mm. And I know that, yes, some landlords have had to share the pain and pass on the impacts of rate rises, but it's expected that in the next year, that figure is going to increase by $5 billion. So an additional $5 billion rent increases forecast for next year. And I wonder what that means for more rough sleepers, especially when we know that it's most likely to be people under the age of 25 who are sleeping rough. Yeah, the rental scene is shocking. So vacancy rates are at all-time lows in lots of parts of Australia and it just gets tighter and tighter. And because of the economic situation, um, particularly the high interest rates, it means we're not investing in housing properly Mm. in the private sector. So we're not building enough houses. We also have record immigration at the moment, which is also tightening Mm. the rental market. So Yes, it's a bad scene for mortgage holders, but it's a really bad scene for renters. And there's a big fight over this in the federal parliament at the moment. So the Greens, uh, I think they surprised a lot of people when they blocked Labor's $10 billion housing plan. And one of the things they want is national caps on rent increases. So if you're a renter who's been paying part of this $3 billion extra dollars in rental increases, you probably like that idea. Yeah, especially, especially when it's forecast to be $5 billion next year. Uh, but Anthony Albanese is hoping to come up with a plan with Labor leaders from across the country. They're meeting in Brisbane next week um, and he's hoping to strike a deal in National Cabinet, of course, you know, realising that the Greens you know, aren't on board. Well, National Cabinet's not a bad place to do a housing agreement because a, a lot of the, the tenancy laws are state-based laws. Mm. And so we do already have a bit of a mismatch patchwork of tenancy rights across Australia. So yeah, look, he'll he'll have to find an agreement with the Greens at some point, find a midpoint, but there's lots they can achieve at National Cabinet with the Premiers as well. Overnight, thousands of mourners gathered in Ireland for singer Sinead O'Connor's funeral procession. Crowds lined the streets of the singer's hometown Bray as a vintage VW camper van with rooftop speakers blasting Bob Marley's natural mystic led a hearse along the waterfront. And mourners sang and threw roses and flowers as it passed and many left handwritten notes at the entrance to her former home. Yeah, and it was a Muslim funeral as well because Sinead O'Connor converted to Islam back in 2018. So one supermarket has been voted Australia's favourite food retailer, and that's for the sixth year in a row. It is the home of the special buys, Aldi. So every year, CanStar surveys thousands of shoppers. It's part of its annual supermarket satisfaction ratings. And when it comes to overall satisfaction, that includes value for money, freshness of the produce, quality of the private labels, and also um, deals and specials. Aldi was the only supermarket to get five stars, although it is um, Coles and Woolies Tom that still get um, the bulk of shoppers through their doors. Yeah, so the duopoly is still strongly enforced, but I could just hear in the tone of your voice, you're an Audi shopper, aren't you? Oh my God, (laughs) I I live for the special buys. I love the special buys. And, you know, although 41% of shoppers go to Woolies or they got 41% of the market share, 32% for Coles, it's the German retailer Aldi that's gained the most market share. It's 
clawed 1%. That doesn't sound like a lot. But so what's for, it got? It's only got 1%? No, it's, it's got it's clawed 1%. Like it's got 1% in, in the past six months off Woolies. So now it's okay. a little over 10%. Okay. And so it's, it's for, for a long time been sitting below, well, it wasn't able to strike that double digits. And it's expected as the cost of living worsens that um, more people will be like me. Um, loving the low prices and the special buys. Um, this is not a sponsored ad, by the way. I'm just a massive tight ass. <laughs> What's a special buy? Is that different to a special? The special buys are in the centre of Aldi and okay. it could be random. Sometimes they sell like plasma screen TVs right. or they, they'll have some... Snow gear or something. Yeah, just kind of <laughs> random stuff. You're like, I'll get some milk and cheese and I'll get a spade. You know, like it's just like get a shovel, you know, (laughs) while I'm here. I would definitely shop at Aldi if there was one near my house, but I am, um, yeah, restricted to the big two. Mm. Um, I'm a real bargain shopper as well. I really hunt the bargains. I find earlier in the week is when you get more of the bargains. If you get there on Sunday when everyone wants to shop. And there's nothing left on the shelves. Yep. All right. We're out of here. Jan Friend is with you to talk about the impact of fracking on children. In late May, Dr Louise Woodward sat down and drafted a letter to the NT Chief Minister, Natasha Files. In it, she asked the Minister to reconsider her support of a major gas fracking project in the Northern Territory. 45 medical specialists who'd worked in the NT signed on to the letter as well. The key argument in the letter sort of sounds like the classic line from The Simpsons character, Helen Lovejoy. See, Dr. Woodward is a paediatrician and she says that fracking, in addition to destroying the planet, makes children sick. Dr. Louise Woodward joins us today on The Briefing. Dr. Woodward, welcome to the show. It's not often that you see paediatricians get political, but you have. So tell us why you've taken this issue on. Doctors are often... um They stay silent on these issues, but it doesn't mean they don't have opinions. But we often work for the public health service and so we can't really speak out um, against government policy. And unfortunately, in the NT, um, I felt that the government policy was actually harmful to the children of the Territory and potentially Australia. This project is so big that I thought... I can't stay silent anymore and I felt that my job is not worth anything compared to the health and wellbeing of Territory children and Australian children because we just need to stop expanding fossil fuels at the rate we are if we have any hope of solving the climate crisis, which is the greatest health challenge of our time. And the Northern Territory is on the front line. Darwin may become unlivable in the next 50 years. And, you know, people like me and other professionals, we can leave. But what about the people that can't leave? What about the people that don't have air conditioning, that Mm. don't have any ability to escape the heat, that have inappropriate housing or that don't have housing? What about them? What happens to them? I mean, hearing you say your job or your role is is not worth anything if this is going to bring untold damage to the children of the NT, 
it's obviously moved you quite a bit, this approval of the fracking project. Why? Why? What are some of the damage, the damages rather that you feel it will cause to kids? There's a plan to open up the Beedaloo Basin, which is um, a large onshore gas field, in fact, the largest in Australia, um, a plan to open that up to fracking as soon as possible. This single project will be a carbon bomb that will increase Australia's emissions by 20%. And the people around that area in the Beedaloo Basin they are at risk of contamination of air, soil and water directly from the project. And the whole of Australia is at risk, obviously, from driving climate change. So in terms of the local effects of fracking, um, you know, you've got the contamination of the soil and the water and local communities around that area use uh, bore water uh, for everything. They also grow food from the soil. And then there's pollution that contaminates the air that comes from the fracking wells. They're then going to pipe the gas all the way to Darwin and they are going to um, process it into liquid LNG and send it overseas. And they're also going to uh, have a petrochemical factory right in the centre of Darwin, about three kilometres from the major population uh, suburb of Palmerston. The air pollution that comes from these factories travels quite a distance, so can travel tens to hundreds of kilometres. And the air pollution contains cancer-causing particles that get into the lungs and then go into the bloodstream, causing inflammation and then a whole lot of untold effects. So for children in particular, they have smaller lungs, so they breathe faster. So they breathe in more of these particles, even relative to adults, which means they are at higher risk of the toxic effects, which includes a 30% increased risk of leukaemia and other bloodborne cancers. There's increased asthma severity. And then all those um, children and people who have chronic health conditions like like heart disease, like diabetes, like obesity, they are all at much higher risk from this pollution. And Darwin in the Northern Territory already has the worst health outcomes in the country. Uh, we are battling as paediatricians to improve the health of the children up here. And I feel that with these projects being established for the benefit of big multinational fossil fuel companies, I feel like the health of children is not even being considered. I mean, the Territory Government will say that it's absolutely considered the health of its um, population. You know, there was a massive inquiry in 2018 into fracking. I think it put forward 135 recommendations that the NT Government has said it's acted on all of them. And I think even when announcing this, the Deputy Chief Minister said that uh, it's going to be safe, it's going to be sustainable, and they've got the best regulation in place. What do you make of that? Yeah, so I think they have good intentions, but I think a lot of those points are actually demonstrably false. So since the Pepper inquiry um, was completed in 2018, there's been 
increasing and emerging evidence of ongoing harm. A lot of that coming from the USA, where there's a lot of shale fracking occurring. There's been over 2,000 studies on the health impacts of fracking and gas operations. In terms of addressing the pepper inquiry recommendations, there are a number of recommendations that have not been addressed. So in terms of recommendation 9.8, all life cycle emissions need to be offset. Now, this project is so massive that it's actually not possible to do it. They're planning on uh, trying to do it with carbon capture and storage. Now, that is an unproven technology and we should not be using that technology to expand the gas industry. <laughs> that technology is for drawing down the carbon we can't draw down in other ways. There is no plan at the moment for scope two and three emissions for this project. So mm. that has not actually been addressed. In terms of um, addressing the health impacts, they've done some baseline um, population studies called the Shreba, yeah. um, which uh, for the population portion of that, it's a very poor quality. It's just the benchtop research that was done um, on the health of the local population in the Beedaloo and they didn't even get all the data they needed from the health services. And because it was done so quickly, it was released before they even had all the data. So in terms of there being high quality regulations, I'm not buying it because we know that these projects cause harm to human health. They just should not be done in the first place when there is such a, a high risk to the local populations. And we know around the world that these petrochemical factories and gas processing factories, they are generally put in populations that are poor, um, that are often um, First Nations, immigrant populations. And, you know, that's mm. shown time and time again around the world. And, you know, I think the territory people are being sacrificed for the profits of these big multinational companies yeah. that are also destroying our planet. When and we just need to stop. I mean, you, you put this to the minister. You, you wrote a letter to the NT chief minister back in May. Have you had a response? Uh, so she she did respond uh, with a letter, um, which um, in the letter, you know, it mentioned all the things that you have, that uh, the government's been working hard to um, put all the regulations in place. But she didn't directly address any of the concerns that we have on the health harms. And we've been unable mm. to meet with her directly. We would love to meet with her directly so that we can put forth our concerns to her because I guess we're worried that she's getting information from sources that are not concerned with health. And you're taking this to Canberra now. Is yeah, part of the reason so because you were um, not very happy with the way that the NT Chief Minister responded to you? It was inadequate? Yeah, absolutely. And I guess just worried that the NT government seems to be on a, a one track to get this project up and running, no matter what the consequences. And so um, I made contact with um, Monique Ryan, who is an independent, the independent member for Kuyong and also a paediatrician who I worked with at the Children's Hospital in Melbourne. So I reached out to her um, to, to ask what we should be doing um, and also to to David Pocock, as I uh, knew that he'd taken a strong stance against Middle Arm and the Beedaloo, and they have been um, 
so wonderful. They've listened to all of our concerns and they've actually invited us to Canberra and we've got meetings actually with um, I think about 50 MPs in Mm. Canberra through the whole of Parliament House. So we're meeting with Labor politicians, we're meeting with independents, Greens and Liberals Um, and these are all MPs that want to know more, that want to know more about the health impacts of these projects and what I'd really like to do is, is have a really important conversation about the health impacts of these big industrial projects that Mm. are planned for our country Mm. and what are the harms and who is benefiting from these projects. That was paediatrician Dr Louise Woodward speaking there. And it was interesting to hear her say that she's had interest from right across the political aisle on this issue. I know paediatricians tend to, or doctors in general, tend to try and be as non-partisan as possible. It's sounding like uh, both sides of politics want to know more, which is good for them and I guess good for us. Listener.